Hey Disney fan, have you ever wanted to know how we make the magic? Or maybe what's happening at Disney every single week? Well, have we got the podcast for you. This is D23 Inside Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. I'm Jeffrey from D23. And we are taking you Inside Disney. Hello. Hello there. How are you? Oh, just doing great now that I can hear you. How are you? I am great now that I can hear you as well. And it definitely puts a big smile on my face. Oh, same. So what have you been up to? Fill me in. Well, surprise of the century. I am still watching Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) On which season are you on now? I knew you said you were skipping around. but Yeah, I'm kind of skipping around. I'm on Fans vs. Favorites. The bummer is I already know who wins because I've been skipping around. I've gotten some spoilers along the way, but you know what? It hasn't ruined the show for me at all. I'm still enjoying every second of it. Speaking of Survivor, I met another fellow fan via Instagram this past weekend. Caitlin Ray listened to the show and is also as into the buffs as I am. Those (laughs) crazy fabric that can stretch any which direction. So we had a great conversation about that. Have you figured out how it defies gravity? I'm still, I still don't know. I feel like I need to like physically touch the buff to understand just how it works. It's pure magic. (laughs) It is. It's pure magic. Speaking of pure magic. Yes. I managed to click away from Survivor for a little while, and I watched Rogers what? and Hammerstein's, yes, Cinderella on Disney+, Plus, and Yay. oh my gosh, it's so good. I, like, screamed when I saw Deborah Martin Chase's name in the opening credits. It's like, I know yes. her, my friend. <laughs> exactly. It's such a great movie. Yes. And to, of course, hear our friend, you can listen to last week's episode of the podcast where Deborah dished on everything amazing from being served tea by julie andrews to writing a letter (laughs) to walt disney to great stories about whitney houston just so much good stuff so much good stuff that movie is beautiful the costumes are stunning the sets are stunning the dancing is stunning the story is stunning highly 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 recommend if you haven't given it a stream yet you are stunning oh thanks jeffrey well what have you been up to well you know who else is stunning who? Cruella. <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh. Did you see the trailer? I did see the trailer. Jaw drop. Yes. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Cold. Amazing. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait to see the movie. Yes. Yes. Coming in May. Coming in May. And if you have not seen the trailer, you can see it on the Disney social channels. Woo. Well, Jeffrey, what have you been up to this week? I have been very Disney in the middle of a lot of disney <laughs> i did over the weekend watch fairy tale weddings the 30th anniversary special Aww. it was this incredible fashion show you can see it on the disney weddings youtube page hosted by our good friend ashley eckstein oh, cool and the dresses are stunning i mean i'm not planning a wedding and if i was i'd presumably would not need a wedding gown i mean i you never know never know but i don't think i it they i don't think they would look great on me but the dresses are stunning and ashley looks great and she shared a story about her own disney fairy tale wedding so that's great i think i've mentioned a few times that my niece is obsessed with secrets of sulfur springs so i finally binged all of that and it's really good Uh, that is on disney channel and uh some episodes are uh, have just come to disney plus nice and just in my own fun time i went up and i visited disney legend bob gurr our good friend oh my gosh only you can say that sentence jeffrey (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, he's just the nicest, bestest person in the whole world. We roasted marshmallows in his backyard, and it was just cute. great to catch up with him. That is so cute. I can he's picture amazing. it. Oh, I, I can't believe he is going to be 90 this year. I wow. just can't. I can't. A true legend in every way. Indeed. And I watched Flora and Ulysses. Yes, same. I mean, you had me at Superhero Squirrel. Yeah. So, <laughs> so fun. So, so good. funny. The cast is incredible. And, and uh, next week, we may actually have a member of the cast on the show. Oh, interesting. Mm. This week, it is D23's Muppet Mayhem. So if you like the Muppets, and I know you like the Muppets. I do. D23 <laughs> has all new great content, including a virtual event with Muppet Legends talking about the incredible legacy of Jim Henson, which is going to be starting on D23.com today. Fun. So people can head to D23.com. And we actually have our own little bit of Muppet Mayhem mm-hmm. on the show today. We have Muppet Studio VP Lee Slaughter and legendary Muppet yes. performer Dave Gold. Your favorite. Uh, my favorite. I love Gonzo. We talk about Gonzo. I feel like I gushed a little too hard about Gonzo. It was like a little bit like, why, why do you like Gonzo so much? You did not gush too much. It was appropriate levels of gushing. Oh, great. Good, good, good. <laughs> they had gr- and great stories. So, uh, so yeah. stay tuned for that. But first up, before we get to Gonzo's, we have cows. We do have cows. Well, Shanghai Disney Resort welcomed the Year of the Cow in celebration of Lunar New Year. Mickey was there, Minnie was there, and of course, fittingly, my girl, Clarabelle Cow, was there. (laughs) They joined guests for some traditional spring festival ceremonies, and I don't know if you saw pictures or videos, but Mickey and Minnie were for the first time wearing their red and gold spring festival costumes that were actually Mm. designed by famous Chinese designer Guo Pei, and... You can get your own piece of this designer outfit magic because there is a limited release plush set of Mickey and Minnie wearing those outfits. Very cute. Very, very cute. Ooh, and Mickey and Minnie led a traditional drum ceremony on Mickey Avenue, and they were joined by these amazing dancers in vintage Shanghai-style clothing that kind of hearkened to the time of old Shanghai jazz and swing. It was really, really cool. And the Spring Festival celebrations are going to continue through Lantern Festival on February 26th. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, there are no cows in this movie. That's the only transition Aww. I could think of. But Raya and the <laughs> Last Dragon, so excited for this to come to Disney Plus and to theaters. And yeah. uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom just announced there's going to be an animation experience and sand sculpture over at the Conservation Station, which I actually visited. I pet a goat when I was there because that's what one does oh. when they go to the Conservation <laughs> Station. So starting on February 22nd, people are going to be able to learn to draw some of the characters from Raya, including the very adorable Tuk Tuk, who I'm pretty sure is not a, oh. a real animal, but that's okay. I'm, I'm all for the fictional animal of Tuk Tuk. <laughs> and at the Discovery Island stage, they're going to be working on a 40-ton sand sculpture celebrating the film with Raya, Tuk Tuk, Sisu, and the Angi, all set in the fantastic world of Kumandra. So... Guests are going to have the opportunity to watch The Artisans at Work between February 19th and the 21st, and it will be on display for a limited time. So very, very fun stuff there. Very cool. Well, in other cool news, Walt Disney Imagineering and ABC have teamed up to bring that sweet, sweet Disney magic right into the comfort of your home. 
in their new interactive video series called Imagine from Home. Oh. Yeah, it's super cool. So in each episode, Disney Imagineers show you the step-by-step -step instructions to draw or craft something inspired by the Disney Parks attractions using materials that you already have at home. In one of the episodes, you can learn to draw iconic Disney castles with one of Imagineering's principal interior designers. So you're learning from the best. I am really excited by the Build Your R2 Droid, where you learn how to make a droid out of soap dispensers and corks. <laughs> I, that's like such a MacGyver move. I love yeah. it. Yeah, so Disney magic it. is everywhere. So there are five episodes. They range in levels of complexity. So no matter your crafting skill, there is an episode for you. And they are now available on the ABC apps across Android TV, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Roku, and on imaginefromhome.com. Well, Disney Channel just announced that Diamond White is going to lead the cast of the very highly anticipated, and it looks amazing, new Marvel animated series, Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Woohoo! So Diamond White's going to be Lunella Lafayette, who is better known as Moon Girl, and the cast includes Alfre Woodard, Gary Anthony Williams, and Jermaine Fowler. And the show is executive produced by Lawrence Fishburne, who is going to be in the recurring role of The Beyonder. I feel like I had to say it, The Beyonder Ooh. like that. It just seemed appropriate. <laughs> and for those who are not familiar with the comic books, it, it follows the adventures of 13-year-old super genius Lunella and her 10-ton T-Rex, who she accidentally brings into present-day New York via a time vortex, because ugh, I hate when that happens. But We've for, all no. been there. Mm -hmm. We have, we have. <laughs> so look for that soon on Disney Channel. Nice. Well, in more Marvelous Marvel news, Assembled, a behind-the-scenes look at the making of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, premieres on Disney Plus on March 12th. So this is an all-new comprehensive docuseries of specials that go behind the scenes of the shows and the movies of the MCU, following the filmmakers, the cast, the crew, and of course the Marvel heroes every step along the way. We've got filmmakers and stars like Scarlett Johansson and Jeremy Renner talking about the genesis of Black Widow, the Hawkeye series, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki. There's exclusive on-set footage. So if you are even a smidge into Marvel, this is so for you. <laughs> the first totally. episode premieres March 12th. And get this, Jeffrey, Elizabeth Olsen, and Paul Bettany our friends and the creative team behind WandaVision are going to pull back the curtain on this highly, highly groundbreaking series. Each episode of Assembled arrives on Disney Plus shortly after the theatrical releases and the series completions. So you can get so, your Marvel fix as soon as you finish your last Marvel binge. <laughs> absolutely. You know I will be so in on that. And it's right before Falcon and Winter Soldier. So yeah, lots of excitement. Well, also... Disney Plus, one of our favorite shows, High School Musical, the musical, the series. Yay! They just announced two awesome guest stars. Andrew Barth Feldman, who, if you have not heard him sing, he actually was Linguini in Ratatouille, the TikTok musical. <laughs> um, he was also in Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. And uh, you can just search for videos of him just to be wowed by his amazing voice. Um, and he's also about to go to yes. Harvard, which is just like insane. He's so oh, talented. Oh, wow. 
and Andy Mack co-star Asher Angel. They are both going to be coming to the cast in guest starring roles. And Feldman's going to play a French exchange student named Antoine. And Asher's going to play Jack, a charming, smooth-talking student with wanderlust. So very, very cool. And we already talked about Derek Huff, who was on the pod, Mm -hmm. is going to also be a guest starring on the show. So season one currently streaming, season two, where they're going to be doing Beauty and the Beast, coming soon to Disney+. Plus. Ah, can't wait for that. Mm. Okay, another thing I cannot wait for. I'm so excited for this. I might accidentally drop my laptop because I'm like shaking as I talk about it. Take a breath. Take a breath. (sighs) Okay, a new short from Disney Animation Studios called Us Again is going to debut in theaters with Raya and the Last Dragon and premiere on Disney Plus in June It's actually animation's first new theatrical short since the 2016 release of Inner Workings, which came with Moana. I loved Inner Workings. That was Mm. such a, I mean, all of their shorts are just incredible. So us again, the reason why I'm so excited about it is because it's about dance and I love dance and director Zach Parrish is bringing together dance and music and of course, emotional storytelling and just beautiful animation. It's set in a vibrant city that is pulsating with rhythm and movement and an elderly man and his young at heart wife rekindle their youthful passion for life and each other on one magical night. Cute. That artwork was gorgeous that they released. So stunning. I cannot wait. It's told entirely without dialogue and it's set to an original funk and soul musical score reminiscent of the mid 60s. So yeah, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. (laughs) Same, same. But coming a little bit sooner, you know what we have? I have no idea. (gasps) Well, we've got five fantastic things to watch this weekend, courtesy of our friends at D23, the official Disney fan club. For complete details, visit D23.com. Jeffrey, what do we have up first? (laughs) Well, thanks, Jeffrey. First up, there's a whole new episode of Bunked, which I am sure my niece Dylan will be calling me about shortly after it airs. So uh, enough said. uh, No spoilers. No spoilers. And of course, we've mentioned this before. Flora and Ulysses, the movie premiere is finally here on Disney Plus this Friday. If you're into super squirrels, this is a super movie for you. I love super squirrels. Same. Also coming, we as part of the Muppet mayhem that is all things Disney and D23 and Disney Plus, seasons one through five of The Muppet Show arrive Yay! on Disney Plus this weekend. So I know what I will be doing this weekend. Yeah, I might have to take a survivor break. <laughs> Fair. Well, also this weekend, it's the anniversary of Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, which is streaming on Disney Plus. I love this movie. It's about the always dramatic Lola, played by Lindsay Lohan, and her family moving from the center of everything, aka New York City, to the center of a cultural wasteland in suburban New Jersey. And she feels I'd like, like to be clear that not all of New Jersey is a cultural wasteland. I love true. there are many beautiful, lovely parts of New Jersey. This just happens to be one yes. tiny cultural wasteland. Yes, and Lola will. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but you'll see. She'll find the magic. And I got some wicked awesome news because Wicked Tuna, Glass to Mass, is <laughs> back February 21st, 9 p.m. Eastern on National Geographic new season. And it is their biggest test yet with the world in flux. These fishermen fight the only way they know how with grit, resilience and determination ah. and a Boston accent. <laughs> 
Well, let's get to our interview because today we have two Muppetational guests. As vice president of Muppet Studios, Lee Slaughter oversees the magic of some of our favorite fuzzy friends. And legendary puppeteer Dave Goles has given life to some of the most iconic Muppets, including Gonzo the Great and Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. Please welcome to the show, Lee and Dave. Thank you, Yay. Jeffrey. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Hi. We are so happy to talk to you both. Lee, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming VP of Muppet Studio and what your role is like today? Sure. I have been with the Walt Disney Company for a long time, more than 25 years, and I was able to join the magic of the Muppets almost two years ago now. And what I've come to realize is this is the job that I never knew I always wanted. Oh. Uh, it's, it is just as crazy and just as manic as you would expect it to be, <laughs> but, but it, it's a joy. And, uh, you know, I, I pinch myself every day that I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time to be able to step into this role. And what's your day-to-day -day like? What are you excited about and what do you work on? And what's the wacky wild world like? Well, we look at everything from the design of trading pins to, uh, you know, coming up with the concepts for new creative content for Disney Plus, looking at all of the legacy content. So anything to do with the Muppets comes through the Muppets Studio for approval. When it comes to creative content, we plan ahead what we would like to do and then we activate the amazing talents that we have around us uh, in writers directors performers and and Mr Dave Goals falls into all of those categories so we we try and stay very close to the performers who bring these Muppets to life to ensure that we're all going on this journey together. I don't know if all of our listeners will know that Muppets and Muppet Studio are now a part of Walt Disney Imagineering so can you talk about why they're a great fit? At, at Imagineering, it's all about, you know, trying to find the magic in the guest experience. And while Muppets is, you know, primarily on your screen, it's all about the live performance and bringing it to life. And so, you know, I think that that is the focus of, of Imagineering and Disney Live Entertainment. And so to have the Muppets as part of this family that I've been with for so long. It's just such a joy. And there are so many of us that, that were Muppet fans and we just couldn't wait for the Muppets to come and join us. And, and we don't get together as much as we would like to, of course, mm -hmm. especially recently, but to, to have the performers come and, and even be part of our office. You know, we, we have gatherings in our office, you know, monthly gatherings where we'll all have an update of what projects are going ahead and who's in what country building what new show or parade in, in all of the parks around the world or on the cruise ships. And to have the Muppets and the Muppet performers as part of that, I think it's just enhanced the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Well, Dave, you've been a part of the Muppet family for almost 50 years. Can you talk about what it was like meeting Frank Oz for the first time and joining Henson Associates back then? No, I can't discuss that, really. It's just, <laughs> I would have to reveal things about Frank. <laughs> no, I, uh, I met him in 1972, and it was literally on August 15th, I remember the day, and went to Oakland to see him perform at a puppetry festival. And I actually got a chance to meet him and say hello and watch a show that he did. And uh, seeing that show with a live audience of parents and their children really 
really made me yearn to be a part of it. I felt so sad about going back to Silicon Valley the next day. But ultimately, I wound up getting involved, and uh, here we are still. It's all, it's almost 48 years now. Wow. Congrats. Wow. That's amazing. What is something, Dave, what is something that we may not know about Jim Henson that you feel like people should know? Well, I don't know what everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that he said to me after, I think it was Dark Crystal came out. We had a lunch in Los Angeles. And afterward, he was a little down because the movie had not done well at the box office, hadn't done really well at the box office. We were waiting for our cars out in the lot. And he said, you know, my favorite part of all this is, it's when we laugh. And what he meant was that very often we would work long hours and get very tired and often wind up in a recording studio doing music at 10 o'clock at night after a 12 hour day. And Invariably, one of us would fluff a line and somebody else would start laughing and pretty soon we couldn't record anymore. We were all, we were all just on the floor practically. I have many specific stories about that, but the truth is that this guy who was such a great entertainer and also a great businessman loved to get tired. He loved to work hard and get tired and, and then he loved to start laughing. <laughs> it was uncontrollable. It was, we just absolutely couldn't work for 20 minutes. <laughs> and that I was really happy to hear him say that that was his favorite part because it was mine too. Uh-huh. Hmm. It's funny you mentioned uh, Dark Crystal, and I, as you said that, I remembered, and it's somewhere in in a box that I would need to go find it. But I was such a huge fan of Dark Crystal that I actually wrote Jim Henson a, a fan note, and he sent back. I think it was you know just a, a lovely probably form note, but with a copy of the Dark Crystal comic book, which I still have to this day. Wow. Jim was a very nice guy. He was just as nice as you've heard. And he answered fan letters. He sent people instructions on how to make puppets. My daughter was lucky enough a few years ago to work for the Muppet Workshop, the Henson Workshop in New York. And while she was there, she was working for the archivist and asked to go through some old letters from years and years ago. She found one written by Seth MacFarlane when he was nine years old. And it showed wow. all these little characters that he had drawn <laughs> and asked for advice as to how to proceed. And Jim wrote him a nice letter back. And those characters apparently came forward and appear in some of his current work. You know, things wow. that he had already started on when he was nine years old. Aw, that's incredible. Oh yeah, gosh. yeah. But Jim would, Jim would answer letters. You know, he would dictate the answer or, or write a little handwritten note. I, I don't know how he found time to do everything. But he seemed to have a different access to time than the rest of us. (laughs) Well, let's talk about my favorite Muppet, Gonzo. I feel like Mm. he really gets me on a level that no other Muppet does. (laughs) Can you talk about creating and developing Gonzo? I think you need to talk about that a little bit. (laughs) When did this first start happening? Gonzo evolved. Oh, in three phases over about, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. Uh, the first phase was when I was just beginning to perform and I was on the Muppet Show. I was in deep water and I did not know how to swim yet. And so my performance of him was very insecure. So he was conceived as a character who does really stupid 
acts and thinks they're high art. The way I came at it was as a guy who really wasn't sure of himself. And several times during the first season, they asked me to be more excited. And I tried to, but I was personally too inhibited because I, I was just intimidated by where I was suddenly on, you know, this huge television show. So after the first season, I asked Jim if I could build a new Gonzo. And uh, I said, I'd like to add an eye mechanism so that he can have some of that excitement that you're looking for. And I got more confident. So by the second season, I could perform the character. Uh, he became a very enthusiastic character for the next phase. That was the second phase. And then way many years later, when Jerry Jewell wrote Muppet Christmas Carol, he needed to get, or he wanted to get Dickensian narrative prose into the movie, but, but not with an, a narrator, which is intrusive. So he sort of put together the idea of having Gonzo play Charles Dickens. And that sort of ushered in the third phase, which was the soulful phase. But now I have all three of those aspects of his personality to draw upon whenever I need to. Amazing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, Lee, obviously Gonzo aside, do you have a favorite Muppet? Ooh. <laughs> oh, there's a dangerous question because, you know, I have to continue to work with them. You know, I... Uh, since working with them, I'll have to say no, because each one of them brings their own magic. And I'll tell you a story that involves Dave, actually. Dave convinced me to bring my three young children to set. And I, and I was worried about, you know, revealing the magic. They had only seen the Muppets on, on TV. And so they had never seen that there was a day of goals involved in any of that. So I was a little nervous about it. They said, don't worry about it. You just bring them. And so I trusted him. And all these performers, we were working so hard this day. It was the hottest day of the year. We were filming Muppets now. We were filming outside. I think we had had Dave in a high reach for hours in the blazing sun. And then my kids roll up and we are setting things on fire and crushing things. And, and Dave- took Not her kids. Not her no, kids. No, not my kids, not my kids. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Um, yes, good kids. But, but Dave came over and, and Bunsen met my children and he gave them each a rock. Bunsen told my children these magical stories about these were very special rocks. And so that moment of Bunsen meeting my children and giving them the rocks, and I still have those three rocks that they're treasures <laughs> in our house. But, but you know, it, like I, I never expected to have that kind of experience with Bunsen. You know, it's, it's something that I have a direct connection with him now, you know? So I think it just depends. As, as you get more and more into the Muppet world, you have these different connections with these characters because we know the truth. We know that there's a day of goals there behind it all. But when you're there in the moment, these performers are experts at making themselves disappear. They're incredibly gracious with their performance. It's all them at the same time as giving everything to their performance. They can also make themselves disappear at the same time. And it's a very strange experience to go through you see it right in front of you, but you can't deny that when you're there, you speak to Gonzo or you speak mm. to Bunsen or you speak to Kermit and you forget that there's a performer. Mm. It's absolutely true. I, I would add to that, that it even happens to us. 
when we were shooting the Great Muppet Caper in London, we were on location for an all-nighter at this local grand stately home in England. And in the middle of the night, like one or two in the morning, we were all supposed to gather in front of the gate of this estate, like maybe eight or nine Muppets or 10 Muppets. And we were layered on a dolly that was 10 feet square. We were all just overlapped, like one of those cherry pies with the lattice on top. <laughs> and we were ready to shoot. And then it started raining. And it was so hard to get us into the right position. So the characters were in the right spot that they, they just covered us with a tarp. Now, under the tarp, <laughs> I'm lying on my back. And Fozzie looks over at me, like Frank has Fozzie on. <laughs> and Fozzie said something to me. And I started getting into a conversation with him. And it sort of illustrates the, the magic of it, because the characters are by far the more interesting of the two of us. They are so captivating that I, I spent like 20 minutes having a conversation with Fozzie there under a tarp yeah. in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how compelling the medium yeah. is. It's just a magical medium. Amazing. Dave, aside from Gonzo, you've played many other fantastic characters. Is there one outside of Gonzo who has been a favorite? Uh, on the Muppet Show group, I like all of them and certain little parts of them. Like Bunsen Honeydew reminds me of people that I met in Silicon Valley. I sort of patterned him after them. There, I knew scientists there who had such a specific microscopic view of the world that they completely missed the big picture. And that's what Bunsen's all about. And that sort of aligned with the way he was written from the beginning. I like Zoot the sax player because he's immersed in one thing. He just loves his music and that's where he lives. He can't really talk to people very well. He can't do much of anything else, but it's fun to play that guy. And uh, it goes on and on, you know? Yeah. Well, seemingly everyone in the whole world, I know I can speak for myself, is excited that the Muppet Show is coming to Disney Plus. I cannot Woo! wait. I'm counting down the days to start binging and stop sleeping. Do you have a favorite guest star, Lee, maybe one that you watched and Dave, one that you worked with? No, uh, again, <laughs> every episode is so different and so unexpected. And, you know, I, I was just watching the Johnny Cash episode this morning mm. and just getting so into that. But then there's, uh, you know, moments of, and Dave knows one of my favorites is a dance number with Juliet Prowse that mm -hmm. I just think is mm -hmm. so beautiful and just so elegant to watch. But then there's the madness of Elton John and, you know, Alice Cooper <laughs> was such a brave choice in those days mm. for a family show you know, and his episode is special, and John Cleese, or you could, every episode is, I can't, I couldn't choose a favorite, no, and, and they all have memories for me, because I remember watching these shows at home in Australia when I was growing up, so, Gosh. I, I know, I, you know, I would, I would have to weasel the same way, I, yeah. you can't really choose, each one of these guests, we had 120 of them, each was an icon in their field, I mean, Bob Hope would walk in the door one week. The next week, it would be somebody else, you know? The only story I could tell, I mean, I have lots of stories, but one that I would mention right now is that I was a huge fan of Peter Sellers when I was growing up. When I was in high school, I watched uh, all of the Pink Panther movies, and I, I just adored his work. When he was signed up to do the show, our writers called him a few weeks in advance to see what he would like to do. And he said, well, I, I trust you. I your show is great. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I would like to work with Gonzo because he sort of reminds me of Clouseau. 
I heard that the writer came down and told me Jerry Jewell came down and told me and I I completely went comatose for a few days and then <laughs> and then it was such a treat to have him there I mean I I'll never forget that and, and of course the week was capped off by after we finished shooting with him we about 10 of us had dinner together and that was a real treat because Peter loved to live in characters and so he entertained us the whole evening wow that is amazing yeah I am sure there were many uh, hilarious moments. Do you have a, a particularly favorite funny moment from filming the show that we can actually talk about on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, let's see. It's really hard to sort through them. I mean, this is very difficult. It was just such a surreal whirlwind. It was five years of absolutely chasing my tail, just trying to keep up. Morley Safer came over to do a bit on The Muppet Show for 60 minutes. Jim was quite pleased and he said, oh, Morley Safer's coming over next week. And I said, what? 60 Minutes is coming here? What are they after? What are they gonna do? How are they gonna take us down? <laughs> I think they just like the show. And Jim was so trusting and believed the best of people that he wasn't nervous at all. And I was thinking, what's this guy after? What they, <laughs> what's the expose gonna be? And uh, so Morley gets there on a Sunday morning and our days on Sundays were full of with read-throughs, rehearsals, costume fittings for the guests. And so Morley was there the whole day. He probably rolled in around 11 or 12 or 1 o'clock midday. And by 5.30 or 6, he had a chance to interview Piggy, which was what he was waiting for. And they did it in the workshop. I happened to be there. I think I was helping out. And Morley was flabbergasted he could hardly speak you know because frank just piggy just took him on she just absolutely charmed him and he was tired and jet lagged and he just fell apart into giggles he couldn't speak and in the end they did their own little muppet show piece for 60 minutes and it was lovely and they were really just fans and they wanted to see how it worked that was one unusual event well this year we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of muppet vision iconic do you have a favorite moment in that classic movie either from watching it or dave from making it me uh, being in it being in it uh, is my big memory because there was a special camera rig to shoot the 3d and it sounded like two lawnmowers running you know they would say turn over or roll film and you'd hear <laughs> and it was so loud that it was hard to remember our lines and hard to shoot we knew we had to replace all the voices in that whole movie later, but the noise of the cameras made it very hard to concentrate. You know, it was just this racket. It was like somebody telling you to think hard and then standing around you and just distracting you like crazy. <laughs> so that was one memory from that thing. Another memory from that movie was we shot a shot that had Bean Bunny and Miss Piggy in it. And several things happened. I think Bean had to blow some bubbles and then Somehow, Miss Piggy was handed a, uh, a tow water rope ski. and got hauled yeah. off on water skis, right? So that shot, <laughs> we spent five and a half hours getting that one shot oh because it gosh. was quite complicated. Wow. And we all had bubble liquid all over us. What happened was we didn't get it by the end of the day. And so the next morning, we started up again with that shot and finally got it. But that's how Jim was. You know, he wanted to get it right because it was going to be around for maybe five years. Gonzo wasn't in that moment. Were you being or were you just helping or you assisting? I, I was, I think I was just helping. I think I had something to do with the bubbles. <laughs> I had to, 
I think I had to dip the wand in the fluid and then hold it up to Bean's mouth, which is a hard thing to do with a puppet. And of course, inevitably fluid is spilled. So we were all like bubbling in our cars on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, do you have a favorite moment from, from watching it? Anything that Dave Goals does. <laughs> that answer. That's the right answer. Bill Beretta. If I was Peter Linz, she would say Peter Linz. <laughs> She's very diplomatic, that Lee. Lee's the best. Just keeping with the theme parks, I hear that you also voiced Figment in Journey into Imagination. How did this happen? And tell me it's true. <laughs> well, yeah, I, they called me and I went and recorded for a couple of days, I think, not whole days, just a couple of times with Doc Kane at Disney Studios. And they said, Billy Barty used to do this. And I knew what Billy Barty sounded like. And they said, but don't worry, you don't need to sound like Billy Barty. Just make up a new character. So I did. And then they processed it and made it sound like Billy Barty. <laughs> wow. Magic. Have you been on the attraction? One time. I've seen it once. Aww. Is it weird to I see your voice come out of a, a dragon, like something that you're not actually holding or muppeteering? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. But I'll tell you something that was weird. Somebody is doing one of my characters up in Calgary for another show. And the other day I tuned in and I thought, well, he's doing a credible performance of the character. This is pretty good. And then he made a joke and made the crew laugh. And I thought, oh, that's so charming. And I suddenly realized what the crew feels when we goof around with them, hmm. you know, because suddenly I was outside of my own hmm. character and he made a joke that I might've made that made the crew laugh. And it was the eeriest thing. Yeah, wow. that sounds surreal. This year is also the anniversaries of two other projects that you worked on, Dave. Dinosaurs Turns 30 and my favorite Muppet movie, Muppet Treasure Island Turns 25. What are some of your most memorable moments for making those? Well, with Dinosaurs was a, something unprecedented and it was highly complex. The characters were large and unwieldy and heavy. So there was somebody in a suit and then there was somebody else working a special radio control rig that would control facial expressions. We would toss in the voice. And then later on, the voices were replaced by celebrity actors. So during the shoot, then you'll never hear this from anybody. Bill Beretta was inside Earl Sinclair, the guy that I did. You know, the dresser would come and take Earl's head off so that Bill could relax and he would be sitting there relaxing. And we had a little bit of stick that always made me crack up. I would go talk to Bill, but I would stand just a little out of his lateral movement so that I was like just behind him a little bit. He's kind of here. I'd say, so Bill, how are you doing? And he'd, he'd go like, uh, well, I, uh... <laughs> and I never got tired of him doing that shtick. He would turn his head and then act as though he had broken his own neck and go unconscious. <laughs> and I just, I still laugh when I think about it. What about Muppet Treasure Island? Any... Muppet Treasure Island was amazing. And I think the, there were two huge aspects of that. One was that it was a literary classic that we were doing. And so suddenly the characters could lose themselves in whoever they were cast as. And that was really, really fun. It was just a whole different feeling from when they are just playing themselves. And the second part of it that I loved was that, that Tim Curry played the lead. He played Long John Silver. 
and he was absolutely stunning to watch. A very nice guy, and also just a, a talent that was stratospheric. Mm. And then Billy Connolly also played a, a character in the movie, and it was lovely to be around him. He was an amazing storyteller. He was salt of the earth. He would just go eat in the canteen with anybody who sat down at the table with him, or, or he would just join somebody at the table. And I've never seen a famous actor do that ever before. Usually they have their lunch sent to them in their trailer or their dressing room and that's it. But this guy would, was just a working man. He would just go in and sit down with the lighting crew or you know, stagehands or anybody and, and he would tell stories and just hang out with them. Wow. And that's, I just loved him for that. He was just a great guy. Hmm. That's awesome. It's nice to hear. Well, we end every interview with the same question and we imagine it'll be hard for both of you considering both of you having such incredibly long-standing relationships with Disney. But what is your favorite Disney memory? Hmm. There's a few memories that are real milestones for me in my career. I remember the announcement for Hong Kong Disneyland. I was there in Hong Kong with Mickey. Wow. Uh, I was the producer for the groundbreaking ceremony there and for castle topping. And so we actually had press in front of the castle. The castle was not finished. I ended up calling the show and as well as calling the characters and the music cues and the effects, we had pyro, we had confetti. I was also calling cues to the crane driver who was lowering the top turret of the castle onto the castle of Hong Kong Disneyland so the press could all get that shot of that final turret being placed and the confetti going off at the right time. You know, any of those events, there's such a lead up to it and there's such pressure on the day. You've got one shot, you know, you're trying to predict the wind because you've got a giant piece of construction and a crane and you've got characters and confetti and pyro and... That's a one-shot deal. It was a team effort and everyone got it right on the day. And that's one. And what parent can ever forget taking their kids to Disneyland for the first time, especially to have worked for the company for so long and to know all the secrets, to have been backstage, but then to see it through your children's eyes, just, it's just all of a sudden you say, okay, now I get it on a different level. That's a great answer. It reminds me of taking our son Ben there when he was a year old. And we walked in the front gate and Winnie the Pooh was standing there. And we went over and introduced Ben to Winnie and he touched the fur and immediately started sucking his thumb hmm. because he associated plush fur with a toy and sucking his thumb. I grew up about a mile and a half from Disney Studios. I loved it since I guess I was about seven or eight when I found out about Disney. I know I liked Mickey Mouse comic books. Then Walt had the series every Sunday night. And from then on, I was a huge fan. From Davy Crockett onward, I was a huge fan. And then when they opened the park, they teased it on the show. And you saw time-lapse photos of the construction of Disneyland. And of course, once I had been to it, I just wanted to design Disneyland. You know, I just wanted to be one of the people who got to design that stuff. Later on, after I graduated as an industrial designer from Art Center College of Design, I went and applied for a job or I had an interview. And they, I guess I had an interview because I knew somebody who worked there. And they said, well, this would be great, except we just don't need any more industrial designers. 
So, <laughs> so I thought the dream of my life was just gone and I ended up in Silicon Valley. But so I had a long standing connection to Disney and really, really, really loved it, especially the park. Mm-hmm. And now you're a part of the parks. I know. Well, yeah, I actually, we've shot in the parks a few times. And mm-hmm. so we've been backstage in several of the attractions, which is really fascinating for me because I love, I love the process by which they create those illusions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it has been such a joy to talk to both of you, Lee and Dave. It's a childhood dream and adulthood dream come true. Thank you both for spending your time with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Wow. Lee and Dave are just so fun. I feel like they have so many more stories and we could have like literally Mm. hours and hours and hours of more interview with them. Yes, please. Well, conveniently, uh, we'll have reasons to bring them back with with all the, the Muppet shows airing it's you know it's an evergreen magical topic totally well thanks again for listening to d23 inside disney don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe by the way super excited i just completely interjecting at the end of the show here but Todrick Hall liked our post about what? the Deborah Martin what? Chase interview. I oh know. My gosh, I cool. was like, I completely geeked out. Okay. Uh, sorry. That's amazing. Yes. So please like, share. We notice these <laughs> things wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, just hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all new episode of D23 Inside, Inside Disney. Disney.